Okay, test, test, test. Hello, hello, hello. Recording. So one thing that we often do at the beginning is have the... Uh, Welcome to The Arm, a school library journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. The audio you're hearing is from June 23rd, 2017. I'm in a conference room in Chicago, setting up to do a different sort of interview. Normally on The Yarn, we talk with authors and illustrators about a particular book, but not for this episode. My name is Jean Luen Yang. I'm a cartoonist. I'm also the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. It's not every day you get to talk to the ambassador. So I wanted to ask Jean about it. How he was offered the gig, what it's like to hold the honor, and how it's changed his life and work. Now seems like the perfect time, since our next ambassador for Young People's Literature will be announced in January. So let's get back to my conversation with Jean Luen Yang. So real quick, before we talk about the ambassadorship, I wanted to go back just a little bit, just to kind of give people a little bit of history of you. Um, So kind of what was your path to first getting published? You were a teacher before you were published, correct? I, I was. I was. I actually began drawing comics when I was in the fifth grade. And then after I graduated from college, uh, I wanted to self-publish a book. So that's how I began. Uh, I self-published uh, a book called Gordon Yamamoto and the King of the Geeks. I got this grant from the Zurich Foundation, which is an organization that was created by one of the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, wow. So he took all that Ninja Turtle money and, uh, and created this nonprofit. They would give out grants twice a year to self-publishing cartoonists because the Ninja Turtles began as a self-published com- comic book. There's got to be a lot of Ninja Turtle money out there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Ninja Turtle money out there. No joke. (laughs) How did you kind of first find out about the ambassadorship? How does that process work? How did you find out? I was aware of the ambassadorship because I'm a fan of Kate DiCamillo, my immediate uh, predecessor. Uh, And I would see it, you know, on on book blogs and and, um, in the news and in book market news every now and then. They would talk about what she was doing. So I was aware of it, but I was still, I was just shocked. Honestly, I was, I was shocked. I, I got a call from Mark Siegel, my editor. It was in October of 2015. He told me that this was going to happen. I was actually on book tour. I was sitting in a car with an author escort, and Mark said I couldn't say anything to anybody. I was super excited, but I, I just had to be stone-faced because <laughs> I was sitting in a car with with my 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 author escort <laughs> so how long did you have to keep it a, a secret well i called my wife as soon as i could and i could gush to her but outside of that we couldn't really talk about it until january in november we had a meeting um in in new york i, I flew out there there were folks from the children's book council and from mcmillan from my publisher there uh, and and that's when we talked about the platform so every ambassador has something that they want to focus on the the platform that uh, we chose in that meeting is called Reading Without Walls, meaning we want kids to move outside of their comfort zones through books. Were there any fears that you had going into the process? Was it immediate, yes, I want to do this, or was it a, oh, I, I don't... No, it was both. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, it's it's a huge honor. It was out of left field. I was very excited about it. But then I was also really freaked out. Like, I wasn't totally sure what the job entailed. Um, and uh, And following, you know, like... Kate DiCamillo and Catherine Patterson and Walter D. Miles and John Cheska. It's just, it's, uh, it, it, it was daunting. It felt very daunting. I tried actually to actively not dwell on it as I was going to that meeting and as, as I was preparing. 
How do you do that? <laughs> I try to distract myself. And, 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 and to be honest, I feel like a lot of what I'm doing is, is driven by low self-esteem, right? Like a, a, a lot of, uh, which, I, which I guess could be a good thing, but um, I, I, I have been trying to put um, a, a lot of time and, and effort into it. You know, I, I just think the shoes are so big. I got I to gotta do what I got to do, need to do just to, just to get through it. Yeah. Um, you could probably teach me a thing or two about not dwelling <laughs> on stuff. That's good. Um, so what did you see as sort of the benefits of the job? I mean, the big benefit is that I get to go around the country talking about the importance of reading and the importance of books. You know, I, I, I get to talk to uh, young readers all over. I get to talk to uh, young aspiring cartoonists. It's, it's been great. It's been amazing. It's been amazing to see the enthusiasm that kids have and that librarians and teachers and bookstore owners have for books. I didn't, uh, yeah, that's a good point about um, talking to like aspiring cartoonists and things. You know, you're the first cartoonist ambassador. So do you feel like that's um, sort of an added, uh, what do you want to say, like an added area that you can sort of reach out to that maybe Maybe yeah, it hasn't before. I mean, I, I think s my whole career has been me benefiting from um, the merging of the comic book and, and book market worlds in, in America. You know, for, for so long, uh, comics had been seen as apart from the, the rest of the world of books. And really, only in the last maybe 20 years have they been coming together. You know, now um, book awards, like the National Book Award, like all the ALA uh, book awards they uh, regularly consider graphic novels I think my ambassadorship is just a part of that I, I feel like there's so many folks right there's uh, there's like Art Spiegelman uh, Francoise Mouly there's uh, uh, the Hernandez brothers and, and Linda Berry they had been creating work of literary quality for so long that eventually they built this category in people's heads that comics and graphic novels can deal with literary topics so f folks in my generation are are benefiting from that. We have careers because of that. Yeah, it's been great to see the growth. Yeah. Just in, uh, I got into librarianship in 2005, and ju even since then, you know, I can see huge leaps forward, yeah. which is great to see. You came up with a challenge uh, as sort of your um, platform uh -huh. for your ambassadorship. So how did you come to that? Uh, you know, why a challenge? How, how did you decide on that? I, I wanted something kind of practical. I wanted something that and maybe it's the programmer in me maybe it's the coder in me but i wanted something very practical that would be relatively easy to grasp um uh, diversity is something that i care deeply about and not just in terms of cultural diversity not just in terms of demographic diversity but diversity uh, across everything in books uh, because i came from the world of american comics when i was growing up there was, it wasn't just that there was no cultural diversity, there was no genre diversity within American comics. Almost every comic out there was superheroes or, or funny animals, maybe, maybe funny animals. And I love superheroes and funny animals. But at the same time, uh, it took me a, a while before I realized that the medium of comics could tackle any genre of story, right? So I, I, wanna, uh, I wanna see kids read diverse books in every sense of the word diverse. Uh, in terms of cultural diversity, which I, I would have to say is, is probably um, 
most important to me in, in terms of the different parts of the challenge. Uh, th they come out with all these statistics. Jason Lowe of, of Lee and Lowe Books um, is really good about compiling these. And, and a lot of that is just really, um, it's really disheartening, you know? Uh, and and the, maybe the hidden agenda behind the first part of the challenge is I do want in, in at least some small way to drive more attention and more, um, you know, more sales, to be honest, of diverse books, of, of books that feature um, a character, uh, characters from a variety of different um, cultural backgrounds and of a variety of different lifestyles. Yeah. Did you talk to any past ambassadors before you took I them? absolutely did. Yeah, I, I had um, uh, several email exchanges with Katie Camillo. She was super encouraging. She was great. Yeah. She's she, she. Those are big shoes, dude. She she left me some big shoes to fill, but she was great about it. What what's something that she said? Well, you? she said just to make it your own, and I think that was really helpful to me. The ambassadorship is still such a new program that um, the CBC and Every Child a Reader and the Library of Congress uh, are still trying to figure out what it means. Right? We're all still trying to figure out what it means, um, what we can do with this position. My dream, honestly, is. Um, I hope that the ambassadorship gets to a point, like it gets to a point of, I don't know, notoriety or, or whatever, where um, when a kid sees an adult who's clearly not an athlete with a medal around their neck, their thought will be, oh, I wonder if that's the national ambassador. I mean, I, I think if we get to that point, you know how like when a, when a gold medalist talks, there's a weight to what they say. You don't even have to know their name, but there's a weight to what they say. I would like that to happen with the National Ambassadorship Medal because I think it'll become an important tool for uh, pro promoting reading, for, for, for getting more kids to read and kids reading more. Yeah. When you're kind of traveling around, um, I'm sure you're traveling around more now with the ambassadorship. How has that changed sort of your creative life as far as writing routines and that kind of thing? To be honest, it's been hard. This, that was a piece of um, advice that I got from Kate that I have had a hard time following. She, she said, you have to make space for your own work. And, and to be honest, I've, I've fallen really behind. I, I'm working on a big, big project right now and I've fallen really behind. And, and that is, um, it's not just because of the ambassadorship. I've just, it, it, uh, I've had a lot of opportunities that have been hard to turn down, you know, and, and, um, and it's a blessing, but I'm also behind. <laughs> Do you kind of put pressure on yourself being the ambassador? Uh, to accept? I, I guess so. I, I think, I think, um, most people who are in books, we are in books in every facet of books, right? Books are not a great way to make money. Books are really not a great way to make money. Um, so those of us who are in books are in it because we love reading and we love books, right? We love stories. So I think all of us are, almost all of us are, are, are the type of people who put pressure on ourselves. I'm not an exception to that. I think I, I absolutely do that. Yeah. You're kind of an expert at talking to large groups of people, which is something that terrifies a, a lot of people out there. I mean, you've given, you've given TED Talks, you've done a lot of keynote speaking, you're traveling around the country talking. Is there anything like that you could share as far as talking to groups of people that um, somebody listening to this might be able to take away and, <laughs> and improve their public speech? You didn't think uh, you were going to be giving public speaking <laughs> tips here. <laughs> I, I still have a hard time. I, I, I think, um, 
you know, in most settings, I uh, no longer feel nervous before I get up there. Or I, I, I shouldn't say that. I no longer feel consciously nervous. I can tell from my body that unconsciously I'm nervous. But I no longer feel consciously nervous before I get up. I, I was a high school teacher for 17 years. I think that helped a lot. You know, I would encourage everybody to teach in some way, uh, whether it's in a school setting or through uh, a church or a faith community or even volunteering at your local library. I think you get so much out of teaching, you know. Uh, I'll tell you, maybe my second year teaching, I got up in front of my class and uh, all of my students started giggling. And it took me a while. It took me maybe 10, 15 minutes before I realized my fly was down. It wasn't just down. Like the barn doors were straight up open. You know what I mean? So you go through something like that and after that you, like, you lose your fear because you've already gone through it. Yeah, this crowd can't harm me. <laughs> I've already been through it. That's right. <laughs> with, with a group of like 14, 15, 16-year-olds. Um, you were awesome. Thank you, Gene, Lu, and Yang for the interview. Thank you, Philip Stead, for our theme music. Additional music for this episode from the Free Music Archive. You can contact us via email at thearnpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening.